What's up, Re? Praise your family and friends. We are back with another Bible study lesson for you, and we want to welcome you to our fun month series for the month of June. It is called our fun month, where each and every Saturday in this month, we will be having a guest speaker, someone that we have never heard from, bringing us a word from God to encourage us and to empower us. And I hope and pray that after hearing this first message from guest speaker and pastor Kevin McKenzie, all the way from Savannah, Georgia, spoke a very powerful word, and we hope and pray that after hearing it, that it resonates with you and that it empowers you. God said, when G uh, Jesus came out the water, God said, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. And as you were talking, you were talking about the why, the why, the why. It's because you're his son, James whom you are beloved, and he's well pleased in you. So don't let the enemy come and test you as to why God chose you, why seminary, he loves you. Like, why do you give your daughter those good gifts? Why? Because you love her. Why you take care of her? Why you got that custody? Why is your uh, profile picture with you and your child? Because you love her. Same way, if you, give good gifts to your daughter how much more do you think your heavenly father wants to bless you and give you good gifts so take that word and take those 42 days that you're not free from your child because you know she's going to be calling you but take them go ahead work out make your plans right uh, and get back right with uh, mentally too and god i pray for james father that we rebuke every demonic attack on his thoughts on his identity of who he is as a child of God, as a man of God, as who you have called him to be, Lord. May he walk in your truth and your light. In Jesus' name, amen. All oh, right. Let's get started. I forgot to do this, but hey, replay share. Put some fire in the chat. Let my boy know we're happy to have him here. Shout out some welcome, <laughs> something. Let him know in the chat that we're happy oh, to have oh, him. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> What, what it, oh no no they go I don't got it light upon the air light upon the air <laughs> yes um as Jorian said we met in Boston but I'm originally from Brooklyn New York um the island my great grandfather's Puerto Rico uh, and my other side is St Thomas and I got family on a Shincock Nation reservation in Long Island but talking about children. I got five of those things. I've been married for 10 years. So I averaged a kid every two years. We got an eight-year-old, Brooklyn, she's prima donna. A six-year-old, Quinn, that's, that's we call her straight thug. She's gonna let you know the truth 100% hands down. I have a four-year-old, her name is Adeline. She's like me, we sleep the same sleep. We could go to bed at the same time. She eats like me. Um, then I have a son who's two, his name is Ezra. He got four mothers, all of his sisters, including his mother. And then we have a two month old. She'll be three months tomorrow. And my wife's a G. She had all those kids at home. Uh, we met when we were in college. I went to the Florida A&M University. Oh man, sorry about that. My uncle called and sorry, I'm gonna turn that off. I graduate, graduated from the Florida a and University. Um, and then I went to grad school at Boston University. 
And now I am with Jorian and Destiny will be planting Rise Up Church here in Savannah. So that is me. But today we will be in James chapter three, James chapter three. In the backdrop, uh, James chapter one, when you can summarize that, is looking at a purpose, looking at new heaven, new earth. In James chapter two, he's talking about this idea of believing is connected to being. And being in this body of Christ, we can't have the sin of partiality. Now, where we pick up in the story, in this point of history, in James chapter three, some of the headlines or subtitles above chapter three may say taming the tongue. But what I like to propose is James is talking about your faith and your works. If we are going to say that we have faith in Jesus, then we should have our work should bear that witness to our faith. So James is zooming in and getting a little more in depth as to what it looks like. And one of the most important ways that you can demonstrate your faith, one of the most important works of how we express our faith are the words that come out of your mouth. And I'm not talking about like this idea of a word of faith where you name it, you claim, you say, that's my car and it shall be, or that's my husband, that's my wife and it shall be. That's not what I'm talking about right here. But what James is saying is your words, your speech, what you say should reflect what you actually believe. What you say should reflect what you believe. And you can't be a curse and a blessing at the same time. That's just not what James is saying. And in this passage, briefly, I want to point out something. To get his point home, James is going to use these three kind of languages, these three different types of writing, all in one chapter that we quite don't use. The first thing you're going to see, he's going to use these metaphors. Then he's going to use some invoking language. And when I say invoking language, it's words that should trigger a memory. So in here specifically, James is going to say some words that reminds the reader or the hearer of the words that Jesus used when he talks about his speech. And the last thing James uses is repetition to get his point across about the importance of our speech and the words that we use. So anytime you see repetition in the scripture, that's like you're, you're highlighting something. This is real important. And all throughout this chapter, James does that. So let's read James chapter three. I will read it. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we got their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the rudder wills, the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, I pray today, Lord, that we get a better understanding of how our words should be peaceful, Father, how they should be sincere, and how we ought to have a harvest of righteousness sown by the peace that you have given us, Lord, that after today, that our words will truly be the words and the likeness of how you speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you guys are in a series called Dear Christian. So my dear Christian to you is this, dear Christian, our words are more directional than we think, more broken than we like to admit, and they reveal our need to be redeemed. I say it one more time. Dear Christian, our words are more directional than we think, more broken than we like to admit, and they reveal our need to be redeemed. So in verse one, James is addressing these false teachers, the teachers of those days, and he's giving them a warning because of these false teachers. And the reason why he's calling them false teachers is because the words they were using, they were preaching this false doctrine. They were teaching partiality, teaching favoritism, and it was causing division in the church. And Jane tells them, watch what you say in God's house. Watch what you say to God's people because you will be judged more. And you're preaching that false doctrine and causing division in God's house. So that's what James talks about in verse one. But then in verse two, he turns away from these false teachers that he also hawks on in uh, chapter two. But in verse two, James tells us this. James says, that we all stumble and use our words like these false teachers. We're all guilty of causing some destruction with our words of some sort like these false teachers. But he moves on in verse 2b and says, but if we do not stumble, then we are perfect. I wanna pause and talk about this word perfect for a second. The notion of being perfect does not mean perfect as we commonly understand it. Right, it's not that you get a hundred percent on your exam. That word perfect is the translation is teleos, meaning mature or complete. So James is saying if we do not stumble, then we are mature. 
And sometimes you see this maturity in your response as an individual of how you respond to certain situations. So for me, if somebody cut me off in the middle of traffic and I respond like, Lord bless them where they're going instead of this mother, right? You know where I'm at with the Lord because the words that I am using. But after James both harps on us, rebukes us and say, hey, we've all stumbled. But if we're mature, then our words would be like perfect, like Jesus is forming us. Then James jumps right into these two metaphors, leaving us without an answer of how we can become mature. And he talks about that at the end. And this is an intentional part of James to, it's like a hook hanger because James wants to show us our words are more directional than we think and more broken and hellish than we are like to admit. And in these metaphors of showing us that our words are directional, he uses a horse and bit and a ship and a rudder. So he says a horse bit is used by the rider to communicate with the horse, to tell the horse which way to travel comparatively to the size of that bit, right? You know, the bit is the thing that goes in a horse mouth. Comparatively to the size, that's such a small object, but it controls this massive beast. And then he jumps down to the ship in the rudder. The ship is huge, controlled by this small rudder in the back of the placement of the rudder, but it controls this big boat. So the point that James is making here James is telling us like the bit is small and can direct this large beast and the boat is large comparatively to the size of the bit. So our words, the things that come out of our mouths can direct our whereabouts of where we go. And I'm gonna give you an example. So like I told you, I've been married for 10 years. How I speak to my wife matters. My wife loves to sleep, right? I like to get up early. But at night, when we lay down, and my wife says, Kev. Now, when she says Kev, I know in my head, the next words that come out of my mouth are directional. It's almost, have any of you seen that movie, 300? Okay. Yeah, I can't see half of y'all. But it's the scene in the movie where Leonidas the king is talking to this messenger and his wife speaks and the messenger says, do this woman not know she's talking amongst men? And he tells Leonidas to choose his words carefully. Leonidas looks back at his wife and the wife just goes like this. And Leonidas kicks the messenger into the hole and he says, this is Sparta. The words that his wife said directly where that man went. Just like I know if I respond to my wife, like, what do you want? We're headed for an argument, right? Because that what do you want? I'm trying to sleep. I know that. But if I respond, what's up, sweetie? We're headed for a good night. We may be making baby number five, right? Like these words are directional. So you have to know that. And when you can see the words are directional, because when our God speaks, think about from Genesis, he spoke the world into existence. When the OT come in inheritance, people spoke a blessing over their child. It dictated, directed which way the tribes went, 
which way their children went. You speak these blessings over them. So our words are directional. Our words are directional, but they're also more broken than we like to admit. So let's take a second. Let's take a look at the second part when we go to verse five. It says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. James paints this picture of your words being a world of its own, of unrighteousness. And we know that these words that we use can destroy or bring evil or, or build people up. And there's no shortage of evidence of how our words can destroy in our world of, of unrighteousness. You can look no further than parent parental abuse. Now, psychologists study this a lot and parents can cripple the spirit of their children through their critical speech or wives can cripple or husbands can cripple their spouse through critical speech. And I want to read this example to you. Now, I am gonna read about a, a kid who was verbally abused. So if this was you, please stay on. I will pray for you after. If you've experienced verbal abuse, cause it's real of your, your child or victim of this, this abuse, it was real and I'm sorry. And the Lord can bring much healing to you. But I wanna read this true example. This is what it says. My childhood is filled with many memories. There were the normal memories of playing with my brother and friends, going to the movies and hanging out at the mall. Most of my memories were of a loud and angry household. My most vivid childhood memories was of my mother screaming at me, calling me names and putting me down. When she would get angry with me, she would yell and call me names, purposely being hurtful. My first such memory was when I was five years old. We were getting ready for church and I was unable to find my shoes. When I told my mother, she yelled and screamed that I had misplaced the shoe on purpose so that I would not have to go to church. On the way to church, she continued by telling me that I was the devil and I had nothing but evil in me. In the fourth grade, I went to a new school. For the first four or five months, I was picked on and bullied. When I told my mother, her first response was to ask me what I had done to make them pick on me. It was about this time that I began to believe that I was less than, not as good as the other kids. I carry that feeling into adulthood and still fight with it today. So this was a grown man recalling early memories since he was five. Notice this, mama was in the church. She was a believer. And the way she spoke to her child impacted what he thought that he was less than, not as good as, and it still impacted this man to that day. Now, all of us, somewhere inside of us, we're probably judging this mom. But James tells us from verse two, we're all guilty of using our words to some call, some form of fashion to cause harm, like this mom did to her child, regardless of where you're at. And it may not look like what this mother did to her son, but what about when you get angry? Do you unleash a word of evil with your words? What about when somebody disrespects you? 
Do you have to power up and say, you're not going to treat me that way and I'm going to curse at you and lash at you? Whatever it is, your coworker, your friend, whatever it may be, how you respond in the situations with your words. So it's really easy to judge that mom. But when you look in the mirror, you are that mom. That's who we are. Because James tells us we've all stumbled. We're all guilty of that in some form or fashion. And maybe if you say, all right, well, I'm not that mom. Okay, for the small chance that you're not, you know what it feels like, even if you're that mom, you also probably know what it feels like to be that child. When you share something with your friend and they betrayed you and you go, how the whole world know my business? Or you're not careful with your words, right? Like James said, our words are used to set a blaze on fire and we cause discord and all these things. Boy, people in the church, let me talk to you for one second. I don't want to see you on your social platform where you become a Twitter thug uh, Monday through Saturday and then a Sunday saint, right? You gossip, you set a blaze with your gossiping, your rumors, your platforms, you're talking about people. And James telling us, yeah, y'all all broken. All these words, all of them. So we got some reflecting to do. So if our words are broken, and instead of blaze fire on hell, where did the brokenness come from? Right, like if the believer and the Christian, where does this brokenness come from? In James 3.16, he says, as it is, oh, that's four, sorry. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And then he talks about this hell of where these words come from, the selfish ambition. And the word hell here is Greek for Gehenna. And in the Old Testament, Jeremiah called this word Gehenna or hell, the valley of slaughter. And the Jews who were killed by Babylonians, that's where they were thrown in the Old Testament, right? This is the word hell. They, they were slaughtered. And then it was a site of worship also where babies were sacrificed. And it's also in the New Testament, Gehenna was associated with these fire, like the fiery hell, the image that you people paint when they think about hell. And then in the New Testament, this word Gehenna or hell, it is found 12 times in the New Testament, except this one time. The rest of them, the 12 times it was found, Jesus spoke about it. The other time James uses it right here. In chapter three. So James, what does this have to do about our words, about the brokenness? James is saying that there's something about the way we use our words are connected to hell. And the imagery that the reader is picking up is, whoa, if Jeremiah called it the valley of slaughter, where people were killed, where the Jews were killed, the believers were killed, it's a site of baby sacrifice. It's associated with fiery things like hell. And Jesus was using this. What is he saying about our words? They're desperately broken. They need to be redeemed. Our words are broken because 
James, James just said this, our words are broken, not because hell is a place out there or a location to come. James is saying our words are broken and destructive because hell resides within us. That's where the brokenness comes from, right? And the connection to Jesus, when James is saying this, out of the abundance of the heart, the what speaks? Out of the abundance of the heart, the what speaks? I can't hear y'all. Somebody come off mute. Out of abundance of the heart, mouth. the, the mouth. mouth speaks. So James is saying, whoa, whoa, hell is not over there. Hell is not someplace where we go after we die. The reason why your words are like this, the reason why they're hellish is because hell resides within you. Now, I didn't say that. James said that to you. So don't come looking me up on Facebook or writing an email to me after this. James said that to you. And I like James. So if our words are supposed to be this expression of our faith, and here it seems like James is telling us that our words are more directional than we think and more broken than we like to admit. So how do we fix them? How can we become mature with our words, like James says? And it starts to unpack in verse 7. This is where he starts telling us what will not work. So he starts by saying, okay, I'm going to tell you how to fix it, but first I'm going to tell you what won't work. In verse 7, James says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. So James is pointing to this external versus internal battle. When he says, oh yeah, we can tame these horses, we can tame these animals. That's like this external thing. He's pointing to behavior modification. You could train a dog to roll over to sit. We can tame these wild horses with a bit. But James says, you can't tame that form of evil in your mouth for behavior modification. That's not gonna work. See, we can't tame the tongue by just saying, more positive words. Like, I'm gonna look in the mirror and recite these hundred positive things over my life. Do you know self-help books is a billion dollar industry? Self-help talk, a billion dollar industries. But none of that, none of that causes an internal change. That's just trying to do behavior modification. So that won't fix our problem because the problem is bigger than our behavior modification. So in these past few verses, when James start talking, the, the reader or the listener back in his day would have been listening with their ears and going, whoa, that's kind of what, Matthew, what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 11, when he says, it not, it's not what that goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth, right? Pointing to something where James is lining up. It's an internal thing that has to happen. And notice that James never tells us to stop using bad words. He never said, hey, stop using your mouth for evil. Stop using those words to destroy. James ain't saying that because it's impossible for this behavior modification to fix you. And he's saying without Jesus, right, that is impossible to fix the hell that resides 
within you. So the hell resides within us. We can't fix ourselves. We within our brokenness can't fix something that's broken. So where do we go from here? James says, all right, let's keep it along. Now that I got your attention, James says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works to the, in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but of earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vow practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So James says, we can't fix it. Now I'm gonna contrast these two wisdoms of how we can be redeemed because our words just revealed our need to be redeemed. And before I go further, I want you to take a second and think, are your words bringing peace or are they bringing disruption? And if you don't know the answer to that, you should take a note and ask your friend. Say, hey, when I talk to you about a situation or when we talk, are my words peaceful, gentle, pure? Or do they sound like bitterness, jealousy, and selfishness? Take a minute and think about that. Okay, so if your words produce division, disorder, and selfishness in discord, then James says in verse 15, that's demonic forces. So I also want you to know the wisdom that comes from above. This is, in an, in, this is not in the notes, but be careful where you get your advice from and who you get your advice from, because people might tell you stuff out of jealousy and selfish ambition. So be careful what you say or, or who you get that advice from about your job, your future, your spouse, who you date with your kids. Hey, if they ain't in the scripture, that's earthly and hellish advice. And people can say, oh, well, you know, wisdom can come from everything. If it ain't godly wisdom, it's only one other place it's gonna come from, the devil, demonic. It may sound good, right? In the garden, when the devil told them to eat that fruit, that fruit looked good. Right? It, it looked good. That advice may sound good, but it's from demonic forces. Now, back to our words. See, the wisdom that comes from above produces peace, gentleness, and mercy. And this is just another side note. If somebody say, I got a word from the Lord for you, and it ain't producing peace or gentleness, I don't know if that's from the Lord. You, you got to check that word. Check that word. Because everybody want to have a word. But what is it producing? Now, all right, back to our regularly scheduled message. So James is talking 
and he, he, he's contrasting these two wisdoms about our words, like what they're supposed to produce. And then he's talking about this wisdom from above. And James don't spend a lot of time on it. It's almost like he just breathes over it because he wants to put this fear of the Lord in you. But the people he was speaking to would have, and this is the invoking language again, when he's talking about the wisdom from above, they would have been hearing, oh, wait, the wisdom from above is Jesus. Jesus came from above. Jesus is the only one who uses wise words. He's the only one. Now get this. Jesus is the only one who can extinguish the hell that resides in your hearts. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one whose words never comes back to him void. When God says something about who you are, that's who you are. When God sends forth his word, it never comes back to him void. It accomplishes the very thing that is said it will accomplish. Jesus extinguishes those words. So for the believer, for everyone on this call, you have to watch what you say. You have to be careful about who says what to you. You may not be speaking out of what Jesus has, has extinguished. So if you at this moment go, mama, just last night I spoke to somebody crazy, reckless, off the wall. I mean, my, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I have to watch the way I talk to my kids. I got, like I said, I got five and my patience getting low. So sometimes I might say something, not really harsh, but I'm right, not harsh, harsh. I don't want you to think I'm a bad dad, but still, are they loving? So to the Christian, are you speaking life about your situation or are you speaking death? Jesus said there's joy in him, but are you speaking unhappiness? Jesus said he's your provider, but are you worried about the stocks and bonds? CNN and Fox News talking about a recession. Jesus says he is our ruler. He is our king. But are you going hard over Biden or Brandon causing discord? Right, like if we use some of the same energy with our words to bless people, to speak peace into situations, to speak healing over people, to speak life into dead things, knowing that this word is alive and active, sharpening any two-edged sword, splitting bone and marrow, knowing this truth, if we speak that over ourselves, that into the dark places, into the death places, into our parents, into our future, into our family, into our kids. That's the word that never comes back above. The scripture is the word. If we are speaking that, then we are bringing peace. We are bringing a fruit of righteousness. That's what we should be speaking. We shouldn't be concerned with that worldly wisdom about the darkness, the evil, whatever it is they want to say. When you show up, baby, when you show up, well, all of God in you, and you speak into a situation, the word of God, things got to change because Christ just came. We ain't waiting for the second coming. You already came. You right there. Jesus is with you and the words that you speak out of authority. Now, if you're not a believer, you can't extinguish the bitterness on your own. On your own. You can't put out these fires of vowed speech on your own. 
but it maybe somebody has been unleashing upon you their demonic lies. Maybe the devil himself, and this goes for everybody, maybe the devil himself is telling you you're not enough. Maybe he lying, lying to you saying you're not going to make it. He lying to you saying if you rely on this Jesus, that's just going to be another person that fell you. But I'm here to tell you today that God, Jesus is the truth and the devil is a liar. You are worth it. You are valued and you are his beloved. That's the scripture. That is the truth. You hold on to that. You stand firm. No man, no woman, nothing can separate you from the love of God because you are his beloved. Like the song said earlier, God is a man of his word. He in the scripture tells us he's not a man that he should lie. No capping, just all truth. That is our God. And if, so it's two responses. If you need to repent today, I need you to repent. If you say, Lord, I wasn't taking you on your word. Or Lord, I've been using my speech to cause discord. My speech ain't in line with your word. I haven't been bringing peace into situations. I'm going to give you a minute to go repent. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, who are coming before you repenting, Father, repenting of how they use their words, maybe towards other people or even towards themselves or even towards the situation that you have placed them in, God. Father, I, I place a word of truth into them, Lord, that what you said about who they are and where they're going and their future, that they believe it beyond reasonable doubt. As Abraham believed you, Lord, that he could have a child in his old age, and it was counted to him as righteousness, not just for his sake, but for our sake as well, Lord. May we also believe, and may it also be accounted and credit to us that we take you at your word, Father, that we can stand firm on it and believe it with every bit of our body, and that we will continue to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know who's not a Christian in this chat because I don't know you all, but maybe you have better relationships with someone on the call or joining. I do want to pray for you as well. And if that is you, I want you to uh, text Jorian privately in the chat. If you're saying, man, I was on the receiving end of those words and I need to be healed because I need to know this peaceful word of Jesus that can extinguish this fire in my heart. Or man, my tongue is crazy. I use these words recklessly to pimp, to call words, to do things crazy. And I need to know what this peaceful life with Jesus is, this wisdom from above. I'm sick and tired of getting this wisdom that don't work, that always falls short and always fails. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for your heavenly wisdom to touch the minds that have never understood the peace that surpasses all, all understanding, Lord. I pray that your wisdom come into their hearts, God, and that the meekness of that wisdom remove a heart of flesh, God, remove a heart of stone, and place a heart of love, the one that you have touched and regenerated, that you bring dead things back to life, Father. So I pray now and I celebrate my brother and sister who have received you with their whole heart, their whole mind, and will love you. And I thank you that this day forth, 
that they would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jorian, you got it. Amen. Thank you all for having me. Thank you, Kevin, for being here, man. I know that this has blessed all of us, uh, especially me. Um, this hit a little hard to home. Yesterday, I was playing golf, and I was rapping some Jay-Z lyrics. And as I was rapping,